Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I hope that you are enjoying the study of for month. Whoa, what month are we on? We're on month six, and I hope that you're enjoying it. It is um, kind of a tough study. It's uh, about the persecution that David faced in as he was getting ready to wear the crown. And we are comparing that, of course, with the persecution that Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king, faced as he lived here on this earth. As we begin this morning, though, I'm in a hotel writing for next year's Digging Deep, trying to finish that study. And so switching back and forth is a little bit of a challenge. But I'm looking at number two on our list, on our month six lesson. And the question there says, was Jesus ever tempted when he was hungry? Read Matthew 4 and describe the incident. How did Jesus respond with truth rather than with deceit? And I've completed that question, and it's really forthright and very easy to complete. But I also wanted us to notice that sometimes the devil quotes scripture. Sometimes he responds with words that are true from the word of God. And sometimes he does that through the mouths of people today. And yet, those truths are taken out of context, rested to make them deceive us. He did that, tried to do that with Jesus. As Jesus was being tempted, you remember, he quoted scripture back to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. So the devil took Jesus into the holy city and Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. And then he said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. He was quoting from Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. But he obviously was using that to try to deceive Jesus. He lifted that out of context. My point being, though, I don't want to go into um, refuting what he, that specific thing that he said today, but what I would like to say is that people all around you today are still quoting scripture as they lift it out of context and rest it to say what they would like it to say. We need to be very careful that we don't do that, but we need to be very careful also that we learn to recognize when that's being done. Well, Cindy Colley, how do you recognize that? Well, that's the whole point of digging deep. You get into the Word, and you realize that one scripture will not be pitted against another, and you take the sum of the words of God, and you study to show yourself approved and rightly divide the word of truth. And then you'll be able to recognize false teachings. Now, this has to be true because the New Testament is replete with warnings about false teachers. And so we have to be able to compare what we're hearing with the word 
and see if it is deceit or if it is indeed the Word of God. So, as we think about that, I want us to turn to um, Matthew 7, verse 1, and we're going to take just one example of how the words of Scripture are quoted by the devil, and they are quoted by the devil through the mouths of people today. I love those people. They have souls, and many of them are deluded But I hate the devil. I hate what he does when he rests scripture. Because he hates me. He hates me. And he wants whatever is the, the very worst scenario for me, which is eternal hell. He wants that for me. And so I want us to look at just one. But it's a very in our culture, a very powerful lie of the devil. It's a quoting of scripture and then a misusing of that scripture. How many times have you heard quoted recently, judge not that you be not judged? And it is applied to all kinds of sin in the world around us that we should be quiet about because if we condemn anything around us, then we are violating Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. I've had that said to me when I was talking about, oh, a myriad of things, immodest dress, homosexuality, fornication, uh, living with someone, or um, I've had it said to me about false worship practices. Who are you to say that what I'm practicing in my life is not pleasing to God? Judge not that ye be not judged. And sometimes we phrase it this way, who made you the judge? Well, let's talk about that just for a minute. The Bible does say, judge not that ye be not judged. However, it cannot mean there that we don't make any sort of judgment ever because it goes on to say, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it will be measured to you again. And why are you looking at the mote that is in your brother's eye, but you're not considering the beam that's in your own eye? Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First, cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then you can clearly see to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. Obviously, what's being condemned here is not applying the same rules, the same standards of behavior to myself that I'm applying to others. It says here that however I'm judging, That's the way I will be judged. Whatever I'm meeting out will be measured to me again. What it says there is don't be judging people in a way that you would not want them to be judging you because you're hiding sin. You're being hypocritical. He goes on and says, Don't give that which is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before the swine lest they trample them under your feet. And turn again and rend you or tear you. 
There's a judgment that you have to make there. It's not talking about literal dogs and pigs that we can look at and say, oh, that's a dog, that's a pig. It's not talking about a farm. It's talking about people. And they all look the same. And I have to look at them, and by the way they respond to the Word of God, I have to judge whether I'm casting my pearls before a pig, whether I am putting the gospel to people who are making a mockery of it and will never accept it. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there of you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more is your Father, which is in heaven, going to give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I would suggest that that even takes some judgment. But then he says, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. When I come to a decision in my life, I have to make a judgment. I have to judge which one of these decisions is going to be on the narrow path and which decision will help me more to be on the broad path that leads to destruction. I have to make a judgment. That means I have to look at some people sometimes and say, I don't want to do what he is doing. Because it puts him on the Broadway that leads to destruction. I have to judge whether or not a person, someone around me, is on the narrow way sometimes. Am I going... Now, that doesn't mean I'm in charge of the destiny of his soul. But that means I have to look at him and say, do I want to follow him? Because which path is he on? A judgment is necessary. Same chapter as judge not that you be not judged. 15, though, is very, very powerful. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Oh, here I have to start being a very intense judge. I have to start pulling back some sheep's clothing to say what's underneath. I have to make a judgment before I'm going to fall for what you are teaching me. And then verse 16, you will know those, those false prophets by their fruits. I've got to be a fruit inspector. I've got to look at the fruit so that I can make a judgment, so that I can run the other way and beware if this is a false prophet. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree can't bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. God's going to make a judgment. And of course, he's qualified to make the judgment, but he's calling on me to make a judgment about whether or not I'm going to follow someone who's a teacher. How am I going to do that without judging? Verse 21 and 20, Wherefore, by their fruits you will know them, 21, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will 
of my Father which is in heaven. And lots of people will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name we cast out demons, and in your name we did many wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. I'm just saying, we have to look around us because not everybody who's saying the right thing is worthy of our being influenced by them. Many who say, Lord, Lord, are not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven because remember it's a broad way and many go in there at. I have to judge. And what is my standard of judgment? Well, the standard of judgment is the inspired word of God, which is profitable for doctrine. I've got to judge what doctrine I'm going to believe, and the word of God is profitable for that. For reproof, sometimes I've got to be able to stand up and rebuke the world around me. And I do that using the standard that's the word of God. For correction, well, oh, correction is not a very popular mode of operation in our world today. We, we are just living in a culture that forbids any kind of correction on our part. But the Word of God is profitable for correction and instruction. Don't tell me how to live. Don't try to instruct me. So what we have to do is get behind the Word and let the Word instruct. But that implies that we're looking around us all the time to see who is touting the words of the Scripture and who is quoting Scripture but really following that one who is so powerful who could quote Scripture even to the Son of God in Matthew 4. Judge not that you be not judged. That's a scripture that I hear quoted probably more often than any other scripture in a society that has just given itself over to the tolerance of, of sin. Judge not that you be not judged is in a context of not judging other people by a standard that I'm not willing to assume myself. That's the truth about judge not that you be not judged. Because if you go ahead and read, you understand that judgments about behavior when compared to the standard, which is the Word of God, judgments are completely necessary. Not just optional, but necessary. Back to our text. The devil quoted scripture out of context, Matthew 4. But Jesus came back to him and quoted exactly, the perfect Savior quoted exactly what the devil needed to hear. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. All right, I hope that you have a great day. I hope that this was helpful. The devil quotes scripture and he does it today through the mouths of people around you. He quotes scripture lifting it out of the original context, resting it to make it mean what he wants it to mean. Let's never be guilty of that. Let's never just 
take our own views and try to prove them with scripture. Let's take scripture and mold our lives. Hope you have a good day.